I've noticed that in the past year I've made many portraits of men, Ian Lewandowski says, revealing to me an internal conflict between personal desire and a potentially unsafe cultural climate. Masculinity is a major interest in qualm. I believe more and more that every pose is gendered, but how is masculine energy communicated in a picture today as opposed to the past? Do similar tendencies arise? How can the boundless nature of gender identity be described in a picture? This is how I enter my work, questions whose answers can only be arrived at visually. I'm Jordan Weitzman, and you're listening to Magic Hour. Our guest on the show today is photographer Ian Lewandowski. That passage I just read is from a wonderful piece he wrote on the photographer Jim French, where Lewandowski talks a bit about his own practice. I thought it was a great entry point into both his photographs and the eloquence in which he speaks about them. I met with Ian at my home in Montreal while he was here on his honeymoon with his husband, artist Anthony Kudahi. They'd been married just a couple nights before in New York, and we got to talking about the suits that he hand-sewed from start to finish for him and his husband to wear. Before I even was interested in photography at all, I learned how to sew when I was like 9 or 10. My grandmother was a seamstress and so by the time I was born she had she was actually like really sick and one of her hands was paralyzed so she showed me how to sew with one hand and um she between she and my mom who also had sewn like her whole life I learned how and it was just a really natural kind of thing that I gravitated towards I wasn't good at any sports when I was younger (laughs) like had like no coordination. I didn't just didn't have the coordination for like any sports or even like music. I just not musically inclined things that like most like 12 year olds are like doing. I just like couldn't do. Um, but I could sew. Sewing is one thing. And then like sewing two suits from scratch (laughs) to completion all yourself is another. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an extremely laborious time consuming, heavily detail oriented process. Totally. There's some kind of interesting connection about that type of sensibility and working with an 8x10 view camera. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. Um, when people would find out that I was sewing, when I was making these suits, um, it was always that kind of dialogue around it, which was like, how, do you, like, how did you do that? I thought about how when, I sh- when people see my setup when I shoot, uh, and figure out what kind of camera I'm using. They kind of are saying the same sort of thing. Like, how do you like? How do you have the patience for that? How do you? A lot of a lot of fellow photographers will see it and say like, "Oh, I like hate large format. I like will never do it." And um, there's this real like, like love hate thing about that part of the medium because, um, and I think it does really require a, a specific kind of like personality type or um, way of like, like you said, sensibility. So I think I noticed that parallel between like how people were talking about those two things. And I was like, maybe that's just like part of my, like the way I can work and like the, the way I like that way that like makes sense to me to work. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I shoot with like a, any other camera, I like 99% of the time I like, I don't feel like it's a full image. You know, I, I don't feel like it's like done. Just in terms of the the way it renders an image? Or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I remember in, when I was in undergrad, 
I would always get this kind of comment or critique where it was like, you know, just cause it's like hard to, cause I would always like talk about how I loved how like hard it was to take a picture, uh, with a, like a Graflex or like a four by five, which I hadn't really used eight by 10 at that point. And people would always be like, well, and not just about my work, but I think in our like in our just like, you know, dialogue about photography and the way different people work, it was always like, you know, it's not always better if it's harder, if it's harder, that doesn't necessarily equate to it being better. Mm -hmm. So I never really thought that way, but I did know that like when it was hard for me, that was when I was really going to like go when when I was really going to like commit. And if it was really easy for me to take a picture, it wouldn't feel like I was really like done yet. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, totally. Totally. So most of your pictures are of men, and I'm curious how you think about the people you photograph. Do you think of your pictures as portraits? I think that's a really f- fair assessment of that word. I mean, I one like kind of recurring thing that comes up when people look at my work is like, what are you, like, um, I would always get that question, like, what are you trying to say about X person? Mm-hmm. And that question would always feel kind of reductive to my work because I think that's not that doesn't have to be like why I take a picture of someone, I don't think, or why anyone does. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm interested in kind of, ex- it sounds really cliche, but like expanding that definition of portrait. Cause like for me, like it, for all, for like all intents and purposes, like portrait would just mean like a picture of someone, um, whether it says something about them or not, or like whether that, conclusion is kind of muddy or that's a different that's a different set of like I guess um priorities or concerns for me than just calling it a portrait how do you find the people that you photograph are the people that you know or I go through kind of like stages I for a long time when I started especially when I started using like a bigger camera I was really petrified to shoot anyone that I wasn't like very close with I was really afraid to like get that far that I would ask, can you sit for me? And I think that kind of goes back to that whole, like the camera like hides, like the, the, the camera is like this like defense mechanism thing that I feel like a lot of theorists like talk about where the camera is like a, like a, like a mask um, for the photographer. Mm-hmm. So I think in that way it was, cause I was really afraid of like rejection, I guess, like afraid that people would say no. Um, so I didn't ever ask, I asked people that I was very close to that I knew would say yes. Um, and eventually I kind of went the opposite direction where I would only, like I went through a stage where I look back now and it's all people that I was just meeting or some of them I would, um, uh, I would put ads on like Craigslist asking for models and, um, I still do that sometimes. And what I was trying to do there, I think was like, have like no idea like about the person uh, before I, before I was like that close with them that we were, you, you know, the only thing between us is this camera. Um, so I think that was a way to kind of like be surprised or to be like, have these kind of like moments of um, this like unexpected uh, like energy happening. So I went through that for a while and then I think now I'm at a point where I at least kind of know the, the people, um, either I'll meet on, I'll meet in real life and then reach out to them like later after I've like thought about it. Uh, I reach out to a lot of people on Instagram 
And I think I just like got over that whole fear of like, like I just, I do just message people on Instagram and ask. And I think I used to be really afraid of like looking creepy or whatever, but <laughs> now it's like, well, if they think I'm creepy, then the picture is not going to work anyway. So, <laughs> right. so like, um, yeah, lately it's been a lot of people from Instagram and it, a lot of the time, I think it's important to note, like it's sort of prompted by how they show themselves online mm-hmm. And the pictures they're choosing to put out to like proliferate of their of themselves. Do you think about what types of people you're looking for? Or is it more of an intuitive kind of thing? Um, I try to not have like a filter with it, um, just so that I'm kind of reacting to something naturally in who I'm looking for. I, I do go through like stages. I think in the last year and a half, two years, it's been a lot of men. A lot of people identify as men. Um, and that kind of, for me, gets into this other, um, I think a lot of the time, like where my work starts is just like thoughts I have or kind of like, um, something I'm reading about or, uh, so I, I think a lot about gender, which I know is like, you know, it's like the like $5 word or whatever, but it's like, I, I do think a lot about masculinity, why that is like something that's important in pictures even if it's like this, like, um, un- unfortunately like toxic thing, I think it's, it's really a big part of photography, a big part of the history of photography. Um, this is kind of a tangent, but like, there's this, like, I always see this like hashtag, like women in photography. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like masked in this like tolerance thing, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's so like silly to me. Cause it's like, Oh, how exotic, like a woman with a camera, (laughs) you know? Um, so there's something important. I know that there's something there about like men's like access to the art world, men's access to, um, I mean, photography has always been a very expensive also endeavor. So that idea of like having, like being able to work and have enough time to be an artist or, um, so that's kind of a tangent, but anyway, yeah, like masculinity, I think is really important to me in my work for that reason. Um, and a lot of the times, especially recently in the last couple of years, like the pictures I really gravitate towards as like inspiration or as, um, kind of an archive that I'm looking at are oftentimes of men, uh, or an, archi- an archive that, that you've created. Um, in a sense. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's like, a capital A like archive <laughs> that I've created. But, um, I do think that like my pictures start with existing pictures. Mm. That idea of archive is really interesting to me. Cause I think that is, I feel like such like a buzzword in photography right now. Um, archive archive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not just now for a long time. It has, um, that idea of organization and, kind of um, this like very clean in a package, you know, um, thing archive. I, and, and, and I guess like how that relates to like history and what um, kind of like record there is in photography that is like saying something about history. I'm, I think most interested in an archive that's like not necessarily, um, accurate or like reliable. I think like the, the thing that I like love most about pictures is 
how kind of puzzling they are mm-hmm. and how there aren't a lot of conclusions. Um, I don't think that it's a medium that's necessarily like conducive to conclusion. Like a, a successful image is one that keeps you going back that you're that Yeah. That you're not sure about for me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that it's, you know, that's just my opinion, but I guess what I'm saying is like, I'm interested in that word archive because I think it implies that there's like a start and an end hmm. and it implies that there's like this, like clean, I keep saying that word clean, like a, like there's this like really definite, like simple, um, solution or answer, which, you know, for any issue in our world, I don't think is real. I don't think that's, um, that doesn't really serve me when I take pictures, I guess, if hmm. it makes sense or when I look at them. Mm-hmm. So I do think about the idea of there being this like lineage, I guess, of images where it's all kind of like reacting to mm-hmm. each other and the culture kind of defines maybe the way that someone takes a picture of themselves. The thing that I guess I like look for or that I like notice is like with the way the, the way the culture kind of shifts a person to, to need to be masculine. So that is like this big, I know it's like this big, like broad thing, but that's kind of where I like, where my like eye goes with pictures, if that makes sense. And, and, and yeah, it is kind of putting myself in there. Um, I think with any picture that anyone takes, it's like adding to this blob. (laughs) It's like, you know, pool of, of, of images. Um, and I think that's why earlier I was saying why I like Instagram so much. The, the, the problem I guess with Instagram that like people point to is like that. And I, I believe people think it's a problem because it, it kind of goes against that like archive idea. Cause it's so unorganized. It's not really organized mm-hmm. and it's, it's just kind of like this like floating like cloud of images. Um, whereas an archive is something that I think tries to make sense of this, how do you define your own archive? Does it consist of your own pictures or does it, uh, which are organized in a certain way or does it also consist of, um, reference images and images you want to use in order to make pictures? Maybe both. I mean, when I take a picture, I don't want it to be, I always show an image to like a sitter and I, I try to say this isn't a recreation rather than like recreate an existing image, I kind of want to like maybe, you know, respond to that image or add to this like quote unquote, like archive that that image like belongs to, whether it is like you said, like tidy or organized at all. Um, I think there's this like thing in me that like can't leave those pictures like alone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I have to like my, my pictures that I take, I think are like a response, certainly a response to other existing images that it always it always kind of starts with an image that's already like out there in the world mm-hmm. so for me like my archive like if I had one would be both I think it would be existing pictures and mine your your reference images are images that that keep on like you can't let go of yeah the ones you like are the ones you want to use like if it helps to conceive like it's like um I'll like have a picture with me. Let's say I, I carry, I'll carry like an image around and 
I'll try to like shoot something that kind of like responds to it. And if it doesn't work, I'll just go back and do it again. I'll keep that image until it works. Mm. And there are honestly, there are times when like, cause I usually, I try to print, have just like a little printout for myself, like a um, mood board, I guess. And um, show it to, I think it helps to have like a hard copy. Um, and I'll show it to someone I'm shooting. And then if it, if that picture like ends up working, like if I get it processed and it's like all good and like, it like accurately kind of like responds in the way I want to. I'll oftentimes just like take that print out and like throw it away. And I don't know why I do that, but it's like, okay, hmm. done with that one. Hmm. Like, um, I still have like a file somewhere, you know, in case I want to look at it again, but it's like, that's the only thing that lets me like put that image like to rest and be like, okay, it's done. Once you've claimed it. <laughs> Which is like hard, right? Cause I don't necessarily like put my picture like above, like mentally I don't put it above like the, reference one. I don't think it's necessarily this thing where you're like improving upon something or like trying to like, like I said, like recreate or like one up that picture. It's mm -hmm. more just like, I, I, I think of it like as like alongside it. Mm. I usually don't show that image. Like let's say I finish a picture and it's like printed and <clears throat> I would never like show in a gallery or something like show it with the referent. Right. But it's almost like it's like for me, it's like, it's like for me to have this like record. Yeah. What do you consider to be the, um, the best expression of, of your images? Do you see them as, um, objects to be, to be seen in a gallery, in publications, in. I think the most like appropriate place for my work to be is on a, like big <laughs> mm -hmm. and on a wall. Um, something that exists like in space. I don't like, um, dislike books but I don't feel I natively kind of work in like a book format. The photo program I went through for undergrad was like fairly traditional. And, um, it was like this assumption that you would have be making books and this assumption that that was how you worked. Um, that was how any photographer worked. And mm -hmm. for me, I've never seen my work like in a book before and, and thought that that was it. You know, that was like the final form. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There is a publication that you did called um, Where Do We Go From Here, which is tabloid format on newsprint. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I wonder if you could talk about that and how it sure. came about. Sure. It was around the time of Orlando last year, June of 2016. And... Um, I think I was starting to make a lot of work that was like a lot of my reference images were, ha you know, had some kind of like queer subtext. I was thinking a lot about that and how, um, that kind of bank of images exists out in this world and, and, and kind of, you know, what those images like mean when Orlando happened, I remember all I could really think about was like, 
safety, um, that like kind of like illusion of safety that queer people have, not just queer people, but like any kind of disenfranchised group has this like illusion or um, this kind of, you know, facade of being like tolerated. Um, and uh, I was, I was on Instagram one day and I, someone had put something like about how um, the events at Orlando were so terrible. And obviously, you know, I agree with that, but um, that the victims of Orlando were not doing, were not um, causing any kind of ruckus, were not being radical, um, were not doing anything that was resistant. And I was baffled because I was like, well, yeah, they were. I mean, my own queerness and my own kind of status as queer is, is resistant and is radical. And I don't think that removing that is productive. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, when, when we live in a world where people are still killed for being queer, in this case, for being queer, for being of color, um, I don't think that it's productive to say that at all. And so that kind of like, it was right around the time that I got my 8x10 camera. And I was like, you know, it's still just kind of testing it out. Like I didn't quite know where I wanted to go with it because it was like I had worked with only 4 by 5 for like three years and I was like, well, you know, what's, what's the occasion to use eight by 10? You know, when do I make that different? When do I make that decision, you know, to choose between the two? So I thought of the publication as a way to kind of, um, launch into using the camera and like figuring out when to use it, when it was appropriate. So I took, I made 10 portraits. I I set out with the goal of making 10 portraits of people that I had already shot in the past Mm -hmm. and kind of um, trying to pick images of people I'd shot where it didn't quite feel like resolved yet because I was like, well, if it's eight by 10, maybe that just means that I'm going to be spending twice as it's twice the size. Maybe I'm just going to be spending twice as much time, um, (laughs) you know, setting up and, and twice as much kind of like, the, the camera has like twice the presence in the room as, um, so I, I thought I was just thinking about that idea of like twice, like do something twice. So I shot, uh, the paper that the, that the prints are printed on. It's their contact prints. So they're 11 by 14 inch pieces of dark room paper that I just contacted the eight by 10 negative on. So there's like a border around each one. Mm-hmm. Um, the paper I got, on I got the paper on Craigslist. Uh the for, actual newsprint or the the darkroom paper? Oh sorry, the, the darkroom paper. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. That the newspaper is then like printed from. Yeah. But um I uh met this guy who's like a New York music photographer and he shot black and white for years and found this paper on the street <laughs> in New York, like this like, you know, God knows how old they don't, they don't you know, the paper doesn't have like an expiration date on it. Um so I had no idea the quality of this paper and uh, the film I actually also inherited from a friend. It was like his grandfather's black and white um, Mm -hmm. film. So I was like, I was like, maybe that can be part of it. You know, I was just trying to like jam some stuff together. So I was like, 
maybe I could like do this and, and just embrace whatever comes out, you know, and, and not be so precious with the, with the film, you know, cause it was free and, <laughs> um, and really just kind of like take whatever I get. So if you notice like in the, in the publication, a lot of the prints are like fogged. Um, the paper isn't, it's definitely not like good paper. Uh, but there's something, there was something like really like nice coming out. It was about, a quality, it was a quality to them. The, yeah. yeah. And so something about that, I just, I was like, this is like exactly how these prints should look. Hmm. And, um, and I did reconcile that whole thing of like, like I was saying before, like print quality. I'm so like kind of obsessed with print quality. So I was like, <laughs> it was having to like put the, that away a little bit. Cause I was like, okay, now it's going to get translated through like this, like, um, this other printing process that's nothing to do with the darker, you know, it's like, um, yeah. A newsprint. So once you produced it, how did you go about selling it? I happened to be, cause Orlando was in June. So that was, um, I released it officially for the New York art, New York art book fair. Um, and I just put a sign by it that said like, this is for donation. It's however much you want. Um, and, a lot of people, you know, would pay like $10 or so for it. I had like people give me like hundred dollars cause they were just like wanted to do something. It was similar to me, you know, like wanted to do something. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that it did what you wanted to do? You know, there's people who care about all different types of issues and you know, I mean, you know, the ones that the biggest egos want their photos to, you know, to, to change the world and to make, you know, and to really make a difference. I mean, I've definitely read about photographers who've gone to war I remember this specifically this interview with Don McCullen where he basically talked about uh, you know really caring about about you know Vietnam and the issues and mm-hmm. um, you know making images with that with, with that kind of mindset and then at one point he kind of he, you know he realized that his images weren't really making a difference and he, he got extremely depressed by it uh-huh. and it was like uh, yeah he went into like a very dark place as a result of it is that something that you think about? Like, uh, not to uh, diminish the act whatsoever. I'm just curious how you think about it. Um, well, I will say, I mean, there's this like I feel responsibility that I have to acknowledge that and acknowledge that like the work I do. While I have that responsibility, I still also like am one person and I also like it, 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 I can't like change like what you're, I think talking about. Yeah. Having this ego where it's like, like, I think I, I find that I have to walk this like tightrope of like, I would, that would, that's, I think what most photographers want, you know, they want their pictures to kind of have this impact. And in my case, you know, have this kind of social justice type impact. Um, at the same time, knowing that that requires that that's a very complicated issue and it doesn't have a simple solution. So is is doing is doing the work and getting it out. Um, is that enough? If nothing else, I, I think what I'm saying is like, even though it sounds like selfish, I think if nothing else, it does something where I when I think about these things, oftentimes I, I tend to feel really powerless until I start shooting. Mm. Um, so it's cathartic in a way. Yeah. So that it like admittedly it does benefit me in that way. And I guess what, I guess what I mean is like, I would hope that those efforts are something that can benefit others. Like, like, uh, I do feel this like debt or this like kind of responsibility for my work to engage those things and to 
be kind of at least at least having like a dialogue in that way yeah there's one other publication that i want to ask you about and that's um newspaper newspaper magazine which your work was uh you know has been featured in i think there's three Mm -hmm. volumes out now Mm -hmm. and your work was in number two so newspaper magazine is a publication that was originally published in the early 70s that featured a lot of um you know uh, known up-and-coming photographers and there's been a recent resurgence of it through the efforts of marcelo yanez yeah who who i'm really curious about who seems to be an unbelievable oh yeah uh, he's like a prodigy he's great (laughs) yeah i mean even just the the efforts of putting it together and and curating it and putting it together um, have been yeah super impressive. Mm-hmm. How did he come across your work? Did you know him or did he did he reach out to you? Um, I found newspaper on Instagram through I think my friend Daniel who worked on who was the editor for Volume One, mm. uh, Daniel Rampula, and he. And he and Marcelo were the only two people who made it, made that happen. Um, and, and I just reached out, you know, wanting to buy one cause it was so, it was so like fascinating to me. And so I think oftentimes, I don't know if it's just like my own kind of insecurity, but I, I always feel really like starved for like certain kind of like photography things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, I, uh, like, I guess just in like the art market currently, you know, I, I, I don't know if there's like quite the right, like attitude around photography or if there's like enough of it being shown. Um, but enough of work that you, that you respond to, or you want to see more of. Yeah. I mean, or just like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. In short. Yeah. Just, um, and, but, um, or that, that engages like this history, um, that I'm interested in, which Marcelo kind of unearthed is like this history that is very, a very like queer history and, um, is very like kind of anti institution. That's, that was kind of the thing that, that sparked my interest most about newspaper was that the original publication was, was actively, um, against, the gallery institution and, and how that was affecting art. Really? I didn't know that. And, um, the fact that it was printed on news, it was printed on something that was, you know, very accessible. Um, it didn't require a background in art, um, to be able to understand. There was like, there was no, there were I think part of it was like, there were no words at all. Like there was no, like you didn't have to be able to read even to see it. Um, mm. it was like, this like really kind of nice accessible thing. And I, I, I think that is just inherently, you know, something that Marcelo is interested in. And I was so kind of honored to be part of it eventually. Cause then when I reached out, that was like volume volume one had just come out. And, um, I want to say like about a year, year later, maybe a little less than a year is when number two came out. And, um, yeah, so I have, uh, it happened to be around the same time as I made, where do we go from here? Um, so the, the picture on the cover of newspaper, it was actually like another picture I had shot for 
where do we go from here that didn't end up in it. Uh, um, so it was like this, this nice kind of coincidence. You're starting grad school soon? Yes. Yeah? Where are you going? I'm going to SUNY Purchase. How, like, how can we decide on it? I think eventually, you know, it was just like all of those like reasons that people were telling me why I should or shouldn't be applying to grad school. It all kind of lined up with Purchase. So <laughs> like it was like people I wanted to work with. Um, Teachers. Yeah. It was like instructors I, I wanted to work with. It was like, I think I was at the point where I was like, this is for me. This is like something that's for me and my work. And it's, it's me kind of like giving my work some like respect and some space to grow and, and get some eyes on it. Cause admittedly I was for the past three years, you know, it's not that no one has seen my work, but it's definitely been this. I, I have a pretty solitary practice. I mean, I, sh I work with people, I shoot people, but I think like in editing and stuff and in like sequencing and stuff like that, I, I'm, I'm alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and sometimes that's like more comfortable, you know? And part of the reason to apply for me was like, I should be engaging other people in this and, and not just relying on my own instincts. Yeah. Um, cause that's really like nice to do, but it's also like, um, I think part of making my work is make, is is showing other people and and yeah. for it to be having some kind of an effect. Do you and your husband Anthony uh, bounce your work off each other? Is that, are you guys certainly? Yeah. Um, we worked for the past three four years. We've like worked in this on and off, like worked in the same room with each other, and we'll kind of like look over at the other what the other one's doing and and give input. Um, there's like that like stare like that thing people say about like dating an artist or whatever you know if you're like like two art or rather like two artists dating each other there's this like competition thing mm -hmm. I think I mean we belong to like I think very different corners of that world um, as far as like painting versus photography I think there is definitely a different kind of set of um, what I believe is like a different set of like standards set forth by like the art market or like a different set of, um, concerns, which like oftentimes I think is kind of sometimes like unfair, you know, it's like, it's really like inconceivable sometimes for people to think that I could possibly work more like a painter than a photographer. <laughs> uh, cause like, I don't know, maybe it's just like being with Anthony, but like, I do feel like the way I work is, is very like not, not, like photography <laughs> like I shoot like I mean you saw last night I shoot like one picture at a time and yeah I was blown away by that <laughs> what do you see as being a successful career today for like as a young artist looking forward um what success is to me is being able to make my work and survive right if the opportunity arises that I can show that work and that people can be affected by it positively or negatively. I mean, like having some kind of like dialogue about it, like that's even better, but just being able to like have that life where I'm able to make the work and have enough time, like I'm able to like do something for money that is not so terrible and is not so like intolerable and be able to make my work. That's that for me right now is like what success looks like to me. I love it. Um, that is, I will say though, that's a lot, you know, easier to, it was, it's, I've come to that conclusion after like 
a long time of just doubting myself and, and feeling like I wasn't good enough. And, um, so it's a lot easier to kind of like now to say that than it was to like live that because that is inevitably, like I said, you know, being an artist in art, like if art is always, if, if art is going to be like the last thing on the priority list in our world, then it's always going to be hard to be an artist. Yeah. And it's going to be hard to balance that. Um, but I guess for me, it's like rewarding enough and it's the thing that I like doing the most that I know I'm supposed to, I'm, I know that I need to do it. It's like a def, it's definitely like a need more so than anything for me. Then I have to figure out, you know, a way to do it. Right. And so, yeah. So just like finding that balance, you know, for me is like, like I, um, is, is for me is what like success looks like. So, yeah, I love it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for, for talking. This right, is really thank great. You. Safe travels back to New York. Thank you. That was my conversation with Ian Lewandowski. This episode was produced by me, Jordan Weitzman, and was edited by Crystal Duhaim. Music in this episode by Damien Lazarus, Poddington Bear, Michelle Macklem, and The Monks. For more info on the show, visit us at magichourpodcast.org and follow us on Instagram where we'll keep you up to date. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.